Hello, and welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, your host. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and I do hope you're enjoying the interviews I've been sharing. The focus of this podcast is on the interesting and creative people of Austin, Texas. As always, my intention is to have meaningful and in-depth conversations that I hope will be of value to you, the listener. They certainly are to me. I really love doing these interviews, and hopefully we can all figure out together how to better connect and support our local art communities and create opportunities and success for ourselves through conversations like these. You might have noticed, unlike many other podcasts, this one has no sponsors. For me, it's a passion project that I create and produce 100% on my own every week please consider helping to support me and my continued efforts by becoming a patron of mine. Go to austinarttalk.com and click on the support tab to learn more. And if you really love an episode and have a feeling it might benefit someone else, please share it with them. It might be exactly what they need to hear. Thanks to those who follow and interact with me on Instagram, at austinarttalk. That is by far my favorite social media platform. I post daily about local art events and try to support and share the work of previous podcast guests, along with other interesting people, art, and podcasts that I find which you might enjoy. On to the rest of the show. Mara Grace Ambrose is a natural dye artist and quilt maker who lives close to the land, on 10 acres just outside of Austin with her husband and four-year-old daughter. She studied fiber arts at the Savannah College of Art and Design, and after some time working on an organic farm as the greenhouse manager, she took a fateful four-month trip around the U.S. with her husband. As they made their way back to Texas, she decided to give it a go and put her skills to use by starting her own company. In addition to her love of the fiber arts, Mara was encouraged by her experience growing plants from seed at the farm and felt compelled to create and tell the story from plant to dye to color to quilt in her own unique way. Folk Fibers was born. Relating more to a painter than a quilter, she loves to capture in her work seasonal colors, the palette and soothing patterns that are the story of nature and her surroundings. The resulting quilts are practical, functional, long-lasting, and beautiful, but also a piece of art, the maker's hand in every stitch and composition. The interview also delves quite a bit into the many aspects of being a parent and an artist. I'm very happy to share this conversation with my very good friend of eight years. Mara is very thoughtful and has a lot of things that she shares with me in the interview that I'm thrilled to share with you. Please enjoy and be sure to check out her website and new Piecing a Scrap Quilt workshop at folkfibers.com. Here is Mara. Okay, Mara, thanks for being on my podcast. Thanks so much, Scott. I'm really excited about this project that you've created. Oh, thanks. I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah. Ever since I started it, I've been wanting to interview you, so. It's true. I'm glad that we finally have the right time for me and the project I've been completing, and this feels just perfect. Yeah, so you just put out this guidebook, Piecing a Scrap Quilt. It's a video workshop. Yes. Um, what? How does that fit into the context of just who, who you are? I guess just kind of introduce yourself to anyone that might not know who you are. So, hi, I'm Mara Ambrose, and I live right outside of Austin, Texas and Bastrop. We've been here about five years. I started my own business about, well, 2010. Um, it's about eight years ago. And um, I met Scott here at the farm that eight I was working Eight years <laughs> Nine or eight. I mean, so no, yeah, we were, yeah. we were working at Johnson's Backyard Garden. Um, I was the greenhouse manager and you were the photographer, still are. Yep. So anyway... I started my own business after the farm and I 
make one-of-a-kind quilts using naturally dyed fabric that I dye myself and grow and forge and also buy from dyes that I can't get around here sometimes. Mm -hmm. Just, yes, I'm... I'm in love with natural color. So that's like the heart of it. And um, farming as a background was really the, the catalyst to like encouraging me to finally use my degree and textiles and start my own business. I actually remember when we met at the farm and I just remember you talking about what you had studied and how you kind of had this vision for this life and this uh, career quilting and being a natural dye artist and you made it happen i don't know it was pretty it's pretty cool to see it before it started um i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i really like i love that um part of our relationship because i i don't always remember that i was talking about it that early on um and to be reminded about that makes me proud of myself (laughs) Yeah. Oh, a little like I did stick to it and I I did make it happen. Um, but I, it's not how I was feeling at the time. I think at the time oh. I was feeling like I enjoyed I loved being the greenhouse manager mm-hmm. because I knew what I had to do for the day and it was really laid out. I, you know, seeded the seeds, watered the plants, you know, worked really hard and got really fit. Yeah. And um Went home and just felt satisfied and running my own business is a little bit more of a mental, mental, like it stretches me more. It's pushing me more out of my comfort zone, right? It was a very comfortable job to have a boss letting you know what you did and letting you know you did a good job. And yeah, that (laughs) you have to do that for yourself. That feedback was nice. (laughs) I missed it. But I, um, but speaking of the boss, Brenton Johnson was like the first entrepreneur I met that, you know, really showed me like, I I guess it was like that firsthand experience of like, oh, I I can relate. Like, this is exciting. And um, you are taking risks, but the community and growing organic vegetables, it's all so practical and so meaningful. And if you have something that is meaningful to you, you can, you can fly with that and you can really grow something more than plants, grow a business and like create, (laughs) create your life. Um, cause he was, that's inspiring. I mean, starting a farm in your backyard and scaling it to where he's at and, and having the, watching the community working at the farm, at least when the time I was there, it was really like a place to be, a place um, we would eat lunch together and share ideas. And, and also the amazing things I learned about food and cooking from like mm-hmm. growing and being a part of that process. Um, yeah, it just really grounded me, especially not getting paid that much and working so hard. It made me realize <laughs> like what motivates me and it's not, oh. you know, the money. It's like just that quality of a day and something that gets you out of bed. So what's the quilting community like then? Oh gosh, great question. I and, all, and then I know also that you probably sometimes feel isolated out here by yourself. Right. Well, thanks to the internet, I don't feel that isolated. Oh, good. So the quilting community, much like the farming community, it's just a passionate community. Um, it's really encouraging to be around quilters, natural dyers, artists that are inspired by the materials and the techniques and the processes, um, really, you know, it awakens a life inside of someone. So really, I love quilting because it's so diverse and it's like, there's so many, there's room for everyone. There's like 
you know, all different kinds of quilts, all different kinds of people. And in some ways I feel a little on the fringe of like, I don't feel like I'm exactly a modern quilter, but I don't feel like an old traditional quilter, but maybe more so than modern. But it's interesting. I I don't relate to like one or the other. I just feel like I'm making it my own by dyeing my own fabrics. That seems to be what it sets me apart, I guess, in my own world of quilting and I would I would say I'm mostly inspired by older quilts than mm. newer quilts. Um, the history and the stories and the techniques with hand quilting and natural yeah. dyeing, really. Yeah, there's a rich history it. with quilting uh, right. that goes back hundreds of years, right? Yes. I'm no historian, but absolutely more than hundreds of years. That's one of the things that's so exciting about being your friend is like you have you have an interest in quilts. Yeah. <laughs> you look for old books and look, you know, you're collecting quilts in your family now and valuing them. Not exactly like it doesn't matter what they look like. It's like keeping that history alive and caring for the quilts because they're heirlooms in your family. And yeah. And you know, you sent me uh, a link to your workshop that you just did and I went through it yesterday and it's like now I want to make a quilt too. Yes. <laughs> I'm not just saying that to like promote the workshop but right. I don't know it just looks like so much fun and and I actually pulled some text off of the website uh, off of the out of the workshop okay and I wanted to read this one part that I really liked there's nothing like the feeling of making your own quilt it becomes a snapshot of our lives a physical record that symbolizes what we've done and how we've chosen to spend our time a story embodied in an object, something that can be held, loved and cherished, and passed down to future generations, a family heirloom. I really love that. I don't know. I don't want to be pessimistic, but it's like, I just feel like our lives can be filled with so much stuff that's just made elsewhere. And it's just, you don't feel like you have a connection to it. It's like making things with your hands. And, you know, I mean, what could be more in depth than I mean, I guess if you were making the fabric too, but it's like you're dyeing it with natural elements and then you're making the whole thing by hand. It's pretty. It's a pretty beautiful process. It's beautiful and long. It's, yeah, and a lot of work. Yeah, it's good. Um, it break. I just a little bit each day can really amount to a full project. I feel like I look around my home and I feel like the more I can make myself and not buy the more meaningful that experience is and that end product is. Um, Quilts, obviously, are needed in the home. They're blankets to keep warm. And I love, I think they're the most meaningful gift to make and give someone for a birth or a a significant passage in time. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're a piece of art. A piece of art and they're also functional utilitarian objects it's i i am very obsessed and passionate about them like um yeah Yeah. i feel like it i i can spend the rest of my life making quilts and i have i feel like endless ideas that i want to create and make into quilts so yeah i found my medium nice yeah Here's, um, again, I could just get these words from your mouth, but I... Do you want me to read yeah, it? Yeah, read this for me, because I got okay. that off your site. I think that summarizes what we've been saying. Thanks for getting these off the site, by the way. It's really nice to have them written well, out. I want to be prepared. Well, now you're making me feel prepared from this. So, okay. <laughs> I love quilting for many reasons. The recycling and reuse of fabrics, transforming ex- insignificant scraps into a beautiful whole. 
the human tradition of creating functional objects for personal use, the art of expression, and the challenge of craftsmanship for its own sake. I really, I really would say I've been thinking a lot and writing a lot as we're preparing. We've prepared this guidebook, so yeah. what? I guess I should back up as far as starting my own business was really exciting. I feel like I had a lot of momentum um, in early on, and I maybe luck, it, more luck maybe in the beginning than hard work. Mm. Now I can, I could say now it's been hard work, but it's early on. It felt lucky to be discovered early on. I mean, what happened? I feel like it was like my husband Chapman. Ever since we fell in love, and um, <laughs> his love and encouragement has really been the safety net for mm. me to like do things that I've wanted to try and and really from that place of safe love mm-hmm. um, I felt like I've really bloomed since meeting him back in college 2005 I guess we met yeah so when I started folk fibers um, it was a conversation with Chapman that we were on a road trip and I had left being the greenhouse manager for four months. I traveled around the United States in our camper van. A red Volkswagen. Yeah, it's precious, sweet, yeah. beautiful vintage car. Um, I definitely was a little jealous of like the old timers who had like comfy, cushy RVs because yeah. like ours was just like you like open the door and squat, pop a squat. You know, yeah. <laughs> like not there's no toilets, there's no showers. Yeah, yeah, but it had beds and wheels, and we could go. So. Um, That was a really cathartic experience, though, being untethered from a job for Mm. four months. He was working as a developer. He's always been able to work wherever he can get the internet. So that's what allowed us to take such a long road trip and sustain ourselves. But I was doing a lot of soul searching as I was preparing Mm. to come back to Austin. What was I going to do? Was I going to go back to the farm and work? Or was I going to finally give myself a chance and try to start my own business Um, or look for another job that maybe was more in line with my degree. And what he was whispering is, you're so much more creative than, you know, being a greenhouse manager. I think it was phenomenal, like, learning experience. But you've already grown out of that job, in my opinion. I think you should be using your degree or using your creativity in the work that you do. And so I... I was actually in Savannah where we went to college, and I checked in with my professors. We had a wedding there that our friends were and had invited us to. And so while I was in Savannah, I stopped and that was a real like look in the mirror because they were like, what are you working on? What are you doing? And I'm like, just on a road trip. I'm not working or doing anything. <laughs> I mean, I was farming, but like, Oh, like as far as an artist, I'm not sure. Like kind of, I mean, I always had a little thing going with like my friends. I had some art in a gallery, but like, it wasn't, I wasn't taking myself seriously or pushing myself to accomplish anything great or big. But when I was on our leg home, I had committed to myself. Like I went to the bookstore on, on the college campus and just bought like felt and needles and started needle felting and like Mm. reconnecting with the fiber arts. I was like embroidering and needle felting all the way home. And I knew then like through that conversation with Chap that I should start my business as far as now that I feel empowered to grow plants from seed, um, I can really garden and grow the natural dyes that I learned about in college 
And that connection was like so rich to me, that story from like plant to dye to color to the quilt. Like, so I was like, let me create a small collection of quilts using natural dyes and let me tell the story of growing the natural dyes. So that was the whole concept. It seemed really lofty at first, like I was spreading myself too thin and I needed to just focus on one thing like dyeing or quilting, but it came together pretty nicely. And a um, few months in, he was, you know, that's what we were saying in the beginning is give it a shot for three months, then we'll reevaluate yeah. and see what you, we can do as far as like getting a part-time job to offset, you know, the expenses and so I was trying to make money doing the work for three months and I hadn't really. And then I got a really lucky break through a tweet. My friend, um, now friend, Jay Carroll was working at Levi's as a creative director and he was looking for a quilter to like make a special one of a kind batch of quilts for their specialty stores. Um, they call them their neighborhood stores. There was four in the country and so I made 16 quilts for Levi's that year and using recycled denim and stuff. So Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that was my first foray into a, a partnership um, and wholesaling. Mm. And actually, the amount of time that they needed them, I needed to hire help with hand quilting. So yeah. I had... And that's where being the greenhouse manager, I was managing a group of volunteers in the greenhouse four days a week. And that was the experience really. I mm. felt like I had under my belt in being a manager and a boss. It prepared me to having yeah. my own business oh, nice. in a big way. Yeah, it was a great experience. And we, they ended up buying like a 17th quilt for like one of their stores in Tokyo. So that was cool to go international for a bit. Mm. And so, yeah, it was um, a great lucky break. The hard work began after that, but it was a good motivation because I didn't have to get another job. I could really like put my time into what I loved and what I wanted to be my job. So, and it's been an interesting experience having it unfold from there. I mean, Chap and I are both artists. We met at art school. So we have a lot of conversations about being artists and living and sustaining ourselves. And it's interesting because we really have helped guiding what folk fibers has become. I mean, there was a lot of, it's sort of snowballed from there for a while with press and accolades and things that were really great and exciting. It was like a lot of momentum. Um, mm -hmm. And I was working full time at it and it was fun to pour my days into what I loved and to really taking a slow art in a way it felt like I was there. It was happening faster with building a small little business with the help of friends in the community with hand quilting and other things and, and taking that all and and processing it and understanding what we wanted to do. And we're, I feel like I was standing at Martha Stewart's like award <laughs> ceremony <laughs> in New York city in grand central station. And, um, just felt like the world was my oyster. What am I going to do? Should I hire more employees? Should I make more quilts? Should I make kits for selling, you know, dyeing your own t-shirts or fabric? Yeah. Like this is the ideas that were all getting fed to me in a way that I was like, well, what am I going to do next? Like I could do anything or I should do something. And we didn't know, but we were pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we found out we were pregnant it was a beautiful moment because it allowed us to really take a step back 
and evaluate like really what do I want the next 30 years to be Mm. and like what part of the business is my favorite and that was like being the artist and making the quilts and I didn't want to hand that over and just manage other people making quilts I wanted to like have the autonomy and so the real motto shift was like it's not making more quilts it's making less quilts but better yeah that's still what it is today but with having a child and not having full days I had to really rethink like what it how to sustain that if my job was my time and I had to surrender my time mm-hmm. I had to understand like how to better formulate my time and teaching workshops was more consistent for me it was easier to for me emotionally I didn't want to I wanted to be the primary caregiver I had a really hard time leave having my kid out of sight I really liked learning motherhood without help for a while I guess there was like Mm. a sense of like I was really glad that chap made enough money that I didn't have to go back to work really in a way it's full-time because I wanted to just be a mom and get to know my child and slow down it was a lot for a while so with that time of slowing down is where we started formulating like guidebooks and writing or publishing something um, was a sustainable way to diversify, like instead of just making quilts and selling them as they're completed, like we needed to create a content that was teaching more people than we could fit around our craft table. So it was like, that's where it started. And that's where I am today. As far as just launching our first guidebook, what it is, is a video workshop and it's teaching how to make a quilt and it's, um, I bring in my friend Jen. So there's someone on camera on set to relate to, like, because she's sitting next to me at the table and she's learning how to make a quilt from me. So it's a really beautiful thing how the friends that came together to make this guidebook, um, my friend Josh Goldman, who's an extremely talented videographer and photographer, helped us by knowing what gear to rent and, yeah, yeah. and working for cameras. And we filmed it in two days here in our house. It's a huge accomplishment, really, personally, because we struggled for a while, like, doing this on our own and working together, husband and wife, um, and now being parents. There was a lot of emotions, um, and it was a lot to work out as far as responsibility, new responsibilities and new boundaries. And um, it's all, also carving out time to, like, be creative and have the, like, brain waves to like think and meditate and know what step to take next. So it was an interesting road, but it's pull, it's come together with the collaboration of friends, like really could not have done this on my own. My husband has developed the website that is able to host, you know, the platform for the video online workshop. And so it's, it's huge. I'm really excited by it. Um, and I'm excited. There's no public promises here, but like, I would love to do another one on natural dying. And I really like, feel like I could see this series coming alive. The idea was more than just a personal conversation. We when we were pregnant, we got a book deal. We we asked for a book deal. We shopped around for a book deal. We had an agent that helped us auction our idea and get the right publisher, the right price. And, and it was exciting to land that opportunity. But we didn't know what life would be like when we had our child, Earthside. It was like yeah. much different, much more different. Um, giving myself 
myself three months like maternity leave or whatever it's so awkward and weird as a artist because you are making your own schedule and you're making your own rules and so it was like I think I should have three months maternity leave it's like <laughs> so I just took three months and sort of like played around I still was making quilts and playing around with ideas because I was finishing up her baby quilt but um when the three months was up it was like real stuff to be like all right here's the schedule here's what we need to accomplish and we have one year to write this book it's kind of bananas to say like it's not enough time and to make 10 quilts in one year wasn't even the way I was normally working. I was making one quilt at a time. We realized there wasn't enough control and freedom creatively to make what we really wanted to make and to make it authentic to the process that I use, and which is a little slower. It's a slower craft and to honoring that. So we were like, let's do it ourselves. And so we, yeah, we turned down that book deal and that's when we realized we needed a little break to like clear the air and understand what we were going to do ourselves. But we finally, yeah, we got it together. We finally did it ourselves. But that's that concept was like we were going to build chapters from this. So this first chapter is on how to make a quilt. The second chapter is on natural dyes. And we have other ideas for like mending your clothes and more advanced techniques for dyeing, such as like harvesting and growing your own dyes, specifically indigo, which is a more complex dye. And other ones are like making your own clothes or handmade holidays or kids crafts so like these are all things that I am passionate about and all things I would love to publish and share in the format of a video workshop but also teaching them in-person workshops but as an artist I found that I would like to really focus my time in my own studio for the majority of my time and teach just two to four workshops a year yeah and that is that feels right for me. And so that's where the guidebooks has come in is to like fill those gaps of time and also reach out to the people who can't travel or who can't make it to an in-person workshop. Like that's, um, that's on my heart a lot. And having that component, um, helps me even travel to teach workshops. So I don't have to spend three days teaching how to make a quilt. We can do a block and then people can go home with the video and really like take their time going through all the steps instead of trying to fit it into one session. So it's been, yeah, it's just dreams coming true right now with having it out in the world. Yeah. I have a couple thoughts about what you just said. Um, It makes me think of uh, a podcast I just heard recently with someone that I follow, Seth Godin. He was talking about instead of waiting to be picked, then just picking yourself. You know what I mean? And so it's like instead of hoping a publisher picks you, yes. you just pick yourself, and you're doing you cre- you're creating your own thing, and then you have control over it, and you you can keep growing it over time, and you're not beholden to anyone. You're not. No one's going to creatively try to control it. I mean, I really think that's important. Um, harder said than done yeah I mean yeah but it's harder right (laughs) oh how many times at least two through these couple of years when we were trying to do it ourselves, I um, had been approached by another book opportunity and seriously considering it it looked so much easier than doing it myself it was so structured yeah and someone prompted me to write and like there was just like it was just it was nice it was like a real structured job like going to work for a bus that felt manageable like 
Yeah, I think both options are maddening in one way or another. So it's like um, (laughs) that existential personal crisis is when you can do it yourself. Yeah. Um, Happens when you do it yourself. But like, yeah, it's a huge victory, maybe a bigger victory. Than you can even see at this moment just having released it, right? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I love what you said on your website too. You said, this project is my little pebble tipping the scale back a tiny bit away from the modern distractions and towards a life of significance and time spent on things that really matter. I believe that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think having a child for me has helped center that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that too, because I, I don't know if this is on your website or some other interview that I read, but you had said that having Ada transformed your artistic practice and how you think of yourself. Well, she's watching me and grazing off of my emotions and modeling me and just sponging off of like who I am. So I've tried it all out, I guess, in the four years she's been here. And she, it's just interesting how if I'm running around frantic and anxious and running a business, she's feeling anxious, like Mm -hmm. over whatever she doesn't understand. And so I really do try to, that's where I, I I understood as an artist, like the real talk was like, I needed to create some space for her to have, that we could have away from each other so I could focus and like kind of get my ducks in a row for a few hours. I mean, I've, I'm pinching like three hours one day or five hours, like we're at five hours a few days a week. And that, is a good experience right now. I feel like I'm kind of emerging, coming back to myself creatively. And I don't know. I only have the experience of having one child, but like I wasn't ready any sooner. So like now it just, it feels like it's come back and mm. my time's come back and I, it's like riding a bike. I know how you get right back on, but I feel like it's very celebratory for myself because having that time to focus on my work allows me to then focus and being present with her and yeah. knowing it's all tied up and done for the day. Even if it's not, it can wait. It's not as frustrating or I'm not trying to juggle as much in front of her. Um, I'm able to like mm. take care of what I want and need to do. Um, and then be come back together more energized in a way that is super healthy for both of us. Um, but yeah, it was right timing. And I mean, honestly, there's so much postpartum hormones for the first year or two that you like don't even want to I've for me I didn't even want to do work I just wanted to stare at her (laughs) like (laughs) and like look and and love and so yeah that's where I was not trying to do it Mm. as much early on and once I felt myself trying to do it a little more I was like okay yeah like let's compartmentalize this a little bring some structure in because I know I'm itching to do something that is ideas in my head that I want to get out and I need to articulate and um she's not following it she's just like yeah she's just needs to be the center of the world right now (laughs) (laughs) do you have any other thoughts about being a mom and an artist like things that you've figured out I still figuring it out I have a lot of thoughts on it I mean it's really I see even my work pre-baby post-baby like change I'm using more color and um a way that just feels exciting um a little unexpected um and it was really minimal like 
monochromatic colors in my quilt. So now it seems to be every color in the rainbow. It's exciting too. She, I mean, it's, I don't, I'm like, it's a bit, a loaded question, Okay. <laughs> but I like it. I mean, I would like to unpack <laughs> it. It's, um, it's a blessing. It's what I, I feel like it's all meant to be in a way that, um, I've come alive more and I feel like I have deeper understanding and connection with a large part of the world. Like being a parent, um, I can relate. I know what it's like now to not be able to work on projects that I want to work on. And those are like real life obstacles, like whether it's a day job or a sick family member or Mm. a young child that needs taken care of. Um, there's a lot of obstacles in our life that keep us from being creative, whether they're just excuses we make up for ourselves or they are real, like we still need to be creative. And I, that's the breakthrough I think I made is it seemed harder at times to do my work as an artist and be a mom. And it felt easier to maybe stop being an artist. And I even playing around with that, like I tried putting it down for a month or so and just like seeing if that was easier and it wasn't that was a real breakthrough to know like where my creativity came from and why I needed to create it made me more of myself and it made me a happier person and it was like an expression that I needed to get out and that's nice to know that it's not for whatever other weird egotistical reasons that people feel like maybe they are creating for or that they might be creating for it was nice to clear the air and understand that I wasn't creating for anyone other than myself to become fully myself. And mm. so that was nice because I I was with all the momentum before she was in my life. I was just having fun. And, and art wasn't really a challenge um, until my time was like changed with my responsibilities. And um, it was a great exercise to go through. It was mm. right. It was deepened the character of my own character and I mean it was hard that's like I feel like that's it it's hard but from that hard struggle like so much beauty came and I feel stronger and smarter so that's that's cool (laughs) yeah that makes me I don't want to be just reading all the text from your website I just made me think of this other piece which I really love this uh, one part you said Like most people I know, my days feel packed with routine frenziness where everything seems important. I'm forced to do so much that gets undone each day. I really like that part. Cooking, cleaning, washing, folding. Yes. Well, that's, yeah. And that was a conversation I had in a workshop early, early on in a quilting workshop. It was like just a discussion we were having as a group. And it's a great point that quilting or making something is like, putting something together that doesn't get undone. I mean, unless you're making ephemeral art or land art, but like that creating an object, um, that's a keepsake is a nice place to like stop. And I found it like even doing yoga for 20 minutes a day, even stopping and like stitching on something for 20 minutes a day and like leaving it on the table to come back to is like such a like building block and like, it accumulates and it really is a, a huge like, success in the end to like build and work on something slowly that is creative and not something undone. I feel like for a while I was really disenchanted with cooking because it was like always eaten and undone. But like now <laughs> lately, I think because of having a child that 
cooking has become more magical to me because it's the senses of creating a moment and a, and a memory. And like, so I'm spending more time like baking bread and making food that's just soul, you know, feeds the soul. Like to watch her eat a homemade soup that I made, like, it's just like basking in love. Like it feels so good. So yeah, I, I feel myself changing and maturing with that statement. Um, mm. But it's still a fantastic point that why we do need to keep something like as us creatives on the side to like work towards and make and create. That's because those chores throughout the day do get undone and the mundane is wearing. But I find after like traveling, which I love, I love coming back to that mundane harmony and rhythm. Like there's something soothing about it now mm-hmm. more than before because I've really, I really embraced it now as a mom because there's someone receiving it more. I mean, my husband, he, he appreciates it, right? Like there's not <laughs> like that child that's just like, thank you, mommy. I love you, mommy. <laughs> and it's like just to have like clean clothes and food made and a structured like rhythm, rhythmatics day, they really, gosh, they rejoice in that and they just, oh, it's just, it's precious and it's rewarding in a new way. I, that's what I feel like having kids has brought me to is just like the daily rhythm. I'm back in love with it in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise I felt been as mm-hmm. enchanted with. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about the part of your life that is this rural lifestyle that you yes. talk about at the beginning of your website. Um, you said it's with it's with these fresh hands that we've become caretakers of wilderness. Season by season, the land has become more essential to our lives and the people we want to be. Mm. Like, tell me about that part of your life, like this property and being out here in Bastrop. Yes, and that's both Chap and I saying that together. That's when we need to just sit and come with one, you know, gratitude. It's just, we're so glad we live here. We love our place and our property. Um, it's gosh, I'm like jumping too far in the future. I'm like, if it ever gets built up, we have to surround ourselves with a new countryside because (laughs) it is like so important to us. It's not just the location of, uh, how we close we are to the airport or how close we are to the grocery store or to Austin as the city is such an exciting place to, you know, access. It's not, those things are cool, but to us, it's really like the wilderness. Um, having the trees, I was just waking up in the middle of the night last night and I open the curtains sometimes just to stargaze out the window mm. because we don't have light pollution around here. Yeah. We like look at a crystal clear sky of sparkling stars and moon. And it's like to tell time, I've learned to like understand what time of the night it is by not looking at my phone or not looking at a clock just by looking in the sky and seeing where the moon is. And like that strengthens me and like really anchors me into like feeling alive in a new way of like being that, I don't know, soulful about my surroundings and the natural world around me. Um, just new discoveries too. And letting the day unfold in a really peaceful way of like discovering a new bug or animal and taking that as the research that we want to pour ourselves into because we are technically connected and being that chaps the programmer we're like very much 
the internet is very much a part of our lives out here and that's what allows us to live rurally or not connected to the daily grind of a city. But like it's, it's rad. Texas is, is tough though. Like it's different. It's a different, (laughs) uh, terrain. It's a different life out in Texas because, um, it's a thriving ecosystem. We have a lot of, diverse snakes, um, both poisonous and unpoisonous. There's like everywhere we have in the countries, I mean, even up North, but we have like bobcats and we don't have bears, but we have, I mean, yeah, foxes and possums and armadillos. It's just, it's exciting to look and gaze and like hope, you know, just, I love, I love animal, you know, sightings and that stuff. So like that inspires me and it gives me a reason to just sit and wait and like look and observe. So it is exciting out here because you are rewarded by that moment. If you just continue to like check in and observe and sit and look out and walk out in the woods, there's always something. It's always amazing. Um, yeah, and you're in a you're in a position to be able to kind of observe these changes throughout the year that someone might not see as yeah. readily in the city, I guess. And we're sitting here in your kitchen, literally looking miles into the distance. You're like up on yeah, a hill here. Yeah, we have a little hilltop. Um, it's all relative. There's not a lot of hills out out here. We're <laughs> no. not like in the mountainous world yeah, right. here, but we are on a hill, and so everything else is pretty low or flat around us, and that gives us this sense of being. Yeah, up high and having a view. And yeah, it's something we just want to embrace more. I mean, we have the 10 acres that we're on, and then the acres around us is cattle and hayfield. Um, and then we have the co- lower Colorado River across the street. And it's really amazing. Our neighbors, we've gotten to know them over the five years we've been here, and being able to just hike new trails and cross our property lines and but that's five years. Every year has been a little different. And then there's some similarities too. Like mm-hmm. we, some years we see different snakes. Some years we see different, more sightings of the bobcats. And to see the shift in seasons, that's exciting. Like to me, I was just realizing this autumn, even before it got crisp cool, the crows have come out in like a way they're really active and talking a lot. In the, and what comes when the crows come is also the owls. And they usually, there's a lot of activity here in Texas, at least, at when the seasons shift. Yeah. So when it starts to cool off, that's when things are coming out of the woodwork. Um, so it's exciting. It, it's a more active time. Um, and that's always just exciting. Like what's in the air is also the animals are feeling it. I do like knowing too the shift in temperature and weather. And like I can, right before a rain, it's more common for us to see a snake than hmm. during a rain. Or So it's interesting like how I can kind of predict or perceive some of the times we'll more likely see animals on our paths yeah you're like picking up on patterns and i wonder how being here the last five years has affected you as an artist and your art yes i mean i feel very grateful um at peace and align with who i wanted to become and be because the potential of our home site and our property is just so great that it's given us a lot of space to continue growing and building a workshop for myself on the property and a pavilion and more of a significant dye garden is goals of mine. So Mm. to have this space here and the property that we own, it just feels like a real good, like I'm not rushed. Like I don't feel like 
oh, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to ever figure that out. It's like, oh, let's hear. And I'm one step at a time. We'll make it happen. And so it does feel like a lot of our, our dreams came true when we got the property five years ago, a lot of peace settled in us because we knew we had time now to just let it happen as time unfolded. So a lot of it was waiting until financially we were back on our feet, like buying a house and having a kid. We got pregnant a month after we bought the house. So that was like a lot at once. Um, and we really haven't been able to do any updates. Um, and as a designer and an artist, that's been a little frustrating because <laughs> I'm like, you know, I want my surroundings to really reflect how I feel and look so, or how I feel or want like my place to be a space of sanctuary. But it is the outside world. But like the house from 1980s could use a little TLC and mm-hmm. in time it will happen. And But I, I've matured a lot in that. I remember feeling like for the first year, like frustrated by it. And now it's just in all due time, it's like maybe something that I'm relishing in more than like and savoring as one little update happens. It's a real victory. And yeah. instead of having it all happen at once. Um, so. Where do you get your ideas or inspiration for what you create? I get a lot of my ideas and inspiration by the color in the landscape. And so living here, has influenced my work, um, just driving from our house or sitting and walking around our our property. But the like seasonal color changes with the sky and the landscape and those what's soothing, like we have a lot of these white cattle egrets in the sky. And I've just been noticing how beautiful that white bird is against the blue sky and how they are so beautiful in the green grasses. And like those Mm. contrast of colors is kind of where I start from when I make a quilt it's like that's simple it's so simple but it's so rich and and I want to take that palette that color palette that is the story that inspired me like so going to make a quilt with those colors is really how I would say my work starts and when I want to create it into a quilt I look really too older traditional patterns it's not I'm not really trying to redesign quilt patterns or come up with a quilt pattern that's never been made before I'm really I like gleam from the traditional quilt blocks but simplifying them with a minimal color palette or changing the scale of it to give it a fresh take it just brings me joy to like bring it alive as it's like a seasonal song to me is kind of how I see the quilt that I make. It's a celebration of that color, I guess. It's the colors, really. It starts with color. And then the pattern is just soothing. It's like rhythmic to the eye and the composition feels like I don't want it to be too symmetrical. I want it to be like a touch off and a little, you know, that human organic experience of like the maker's hands are really present in the work with the hand stitching. And then the natural dyeing really influences a lot of the quilt designs because the little nuances of color that come from the dye pot and the different fibers from like linen to cottons, sometimes silks and wools too, like they all dye differently. And um, so capturing that color too in the dye and the color is very seasonal. So harvesting it at different times of the year and and different temperatures creates different color results and just playing with it. It's it's 
really fun and freeing and just really love it. Like each step sort of pulls me through. So dyeing the fabric and then cutting it and piecing it together is just as exciting as having it finished and then stitching it and binding it and then celebrating a finished quilt. Like it's just, it's really a long process, but every, mm. every mile mark around through the way, it's just so, it it's so exciting because that quilt is, has its own life and its own voice. And it's, and when it's complete, I just cherish it, but I also like look forward to the next creation and chasing the next idea or the next dream. And yeah, I feel like I relate more to a painter than a quilter in some Mm. ways because it is, yeah, I'm not working out of a workbook or a pattern that I use just graph paper and pencil. And um, I look to sometimes older quilts, like more historical, like very traditional patterns and sort of sketch them out, but like using my own fabrics and making them my own. Do you find that you struggle... I mean, you were saying kind of leaving the human touch in the quilt and kind of the imperfections. I mean, do you struggle with perfectionism at all? Do you struggle with, I have to make this just right? Or, I mean, are you hard on yourself throughout the process at all? Or is it just, I don't feel like you probably are, but I'm just curious. No, I maybe, no, unless I'm giving myself a real technical challenge, the Lone Star quilts, um, I try, I took a Lone Star quilt and created an eagle design inside of it. And that was the most precision quilting I've ever done and so I was very adamant on making sure my points lined up and so I just took my time and would seam rip and repin and make sure everything was right but um I sort of like know when what I'm capable of or so it's I'll do a real precise like precision piecing quilt and like accomplish quite an extensive process masterpiece type thing feeling and then really loosen up and just like go improv and like Mm. have a freedom quilt or so I don't I feel like maybe that's because I've put so many hours into it in some way I envy the beginner or the new you know the new quilter the new stitcher that they have this it's just loose and it's different where I can't help myself but right stitch a straight line now it's like it's a different it's like harder to loosen up for me um you know I not I'll not pin and not iron sometimes on purpose so I can like not worry about like the results and like that's the intention of that quilt because if I'm pinning and ironing it just turns out a little bit too precise and yeah there's a fun I feel like I've I've run the marathon and it's a bit of a victory lap sometimes just playing around after I guess the 10,000 hours have been put in yeah right. <laughs> it's fun um but I just kind of like sort of gush over the the newer quilters that's as a teacher I really enjoy watching people like mm. taking their first stitches and seeing their first you know finished work and just so raw and beautiful and like really wonky and and fun and there's just you can't recreate that you have it would be all forced unless you were blindfolding yourself like that. But that's why I'll sometimes forego measuring and ironing and pinning is just to like, like let it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, yeah, I guess um, to kind of finish up here, maybe we could just talk a little bit more about your workshop and just mm-hmm. maybe what people should expect if they want to go through it or right. why they would want to do it. <laughs> So the workshop, it's hosted on my website, folkfibers.com slash guidebooks. And it's the first guidebook and it's how to make a quilt and it's 10 chapters 
starting with selecting your fabric and cutting your fabric, making a block and assembling your quilt top, making, you know, stitching it all together, making the binding and finishing the quilt. It's step by step. It's like two and a half hours of video, um, but it's really cool because you can stop and go whenever you want and pause or you know, rewind. Revisit. Yeah, it's really nice that way. So it's you can take it in bite-sized pieces. It was really challenging in a way to select one quilt to teach this workshop. Um, so I selected a scrap quilt, which is really allows for so much flexibility and diversity like of you can use any color palette one color or five colors or ten colors and you can really make it your own by using the same technique of piecing scraps together in rows to make a block and then putting the blocks together and I have my friend Jen Miori who's also a musician and she lives in Lockhart uh, she's my co-star. She plays in the band, the Carper family and, oh, the Frawlings. She's also has a set, her other band and she's, um, like bluegrass musician that is a mother. And also I, we met at one of my workshops, Nice. the natural dyeing workshop she came out for. And we met and realized we had a lot in common, both artists, both moms and our friendship really bloomed from there. So when it came time to film it, I asked Jen to be on it with me because I wanted the viewer to have someone to relate to instead of just like me teaching at my master level that I've like achieved here. It's like to have someone who's new to the work be by my side and ask the questions that you would ask if you were just new to it. So it feels to me as like, I feel really fabulous about how we figured out the format of like having an on, on set, like co-host, I feel like I would going forward, I would want someone to be also by my side for like the other guidebooks, like natural dyeing. It would be nice to just have and to talk to someone that is new to it, um, helps walk you through it as if it's your first time or you're just coming back to the craft. And I also teach on how to hand quilt. So in selecting, I use the Japanese Sashiko thread that is like a heavy cotton embroidery thread and I use it to hand quilt. And we walk through that process and it's just really a running stitch throughout the quilt. And yeah, so it's really cool because at the end of the chapter, I show like some variations on using the same techniques. So Mm -hmm. you can get really different designs out of it, whether you're just piecing half the block with the strips and the other half solid and really can create the quilt that you want to create using whatever scraps that you have. And there's not, you don't have to be naturally dyeing your fabric to complete this project. You could... I even have selected, I've curated some linens that are ready made and already dyed Um, through the workshop. You can see the links there of all the tools and materials that I use. So you can purchase them if you want or need to, but really I encourage like using what you have on hand and old clothes that you're, you know, think you're going to give to Goodwill, maybe instead cutting them up and making a quilt out of them or special fabrics that you've been holding on to and haven't known what to do um, with. It's. I think that's where quilting came to me is like I had sentimental fabrics from my grandmother's attic um, and I went through high school and college with them on my shelf in my room and I knew better. I had some sense that they were so good that I shouldn't just like cut them up and waste them. I needed to wait till I had a, the right project to use them and it was when I took my first quilting class that I was like, yes, this is it. And I had been making garments a little 
first just taking some basic sewing classes and I was like, no, I don't want to make a skirt with this awesome vintage fabric because I will grow and change. My body will grow and change and I will, there will come a day I wouldn't be able to wear that skirt and that would be heartbreaking. I guess you could cut up and use it later, but I just knew I wanted to find that medium and that's what quilting is to me is like that special placeholder for those special fabrics or giving fabrics a special place to be special that aren't special. Yeah. 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 I saved this for last. This is kind of, this is the last quote I'll read from the uh, workshop website. Whatever your reason for making quilts, I hope you'll share the results with me and with others. I think the world is a better place when we're all more thoughtful about what we consume, what we make and how we spend our time. It's a good message that goes beyond quilting for sure. Right. And I've had to learn this myself too. Um, When my hands were tied with a little one for a year or so, I felt this itch to be more of a consumer. Like I wanted, it was easier to buy the things I needed than to make them. I really didn't feel better that way. Or I would be in the store like wasting time just commuting and coming back and making decisions than if I would have taken that hour or two and just like made, I mean, things that are coming to mind are kids clothes or little toys and things that I needed for my growing child. And I didn't feel better when I bought them. Like I always felt like maybe some buyer's remorse or just the time that I spent, I needed to decompress from that. And it wasn't like a rewarding, more rewarding than like giving myself, you know, a time in the day to like make the thing I wanted or at least attempt to make the thing I wanted and learn from that experience of failing or trying again or I mean it's sure it can be frustrating to set out and try to make a child's dress and like it kind of doesn't turn out the way you want or whatever but that builds something more in my character and others it's like so yeah that's that that's the lesson I've learned in when my time was um, submitted with a young child is like I felt like strapped for time or like at loss for the time to make. But um, if I really was careful enough and didn't spend my time running around or trying to buy things, but like spent more time trying to make them, I felt better about it. Even if it was, it felt harder at first. I I was more uplifted by the experience and more rewarded. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I have this, (laughs) I have this final question that I heard on a podcast yesterday. And I wanted to try this on you, but it might be a little heavy. I don't uh, know. We'll just see. Can I, okay. can I try this on mm, you? Yeah. Um, so here's my final question for you, okay. if you want to try it. So if this was your final day, and you were talking to Ada, and you wanted to impart thoughts or wisdom to her on how that she might be able to live a fulfilling life, like what's most important to tell her? Okay, I'll give it a stab. If this was my, I feel like I'm taking an oath. If this was my final, day. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so heavy, but I just feel no, like it's, it's, you know, there's something that gets to the core of what's important. You know, it's like what would you want to communicate to her that is most important? Most important, well, being yourself, and that's a long road to find yourself. But finding yourself and being yourself is a life quest that I've set out, and I feel I get glimpses of that truth of like in some ways I think being yourself is like the hardest challenge Hmm. um but to know who you are and be yourself is is not worry about comparing yourself to others and 
um, or being, being criticized or being <laughs> criticized or yeah, every day is highs and lows. So really just be easy on yourself and follow your heart. It sounds cliche, but really like that bliss, that thing that makes you happy. Like, what are you looking forward to in your day? Like focus on that and celebrate that and do, you know, let it reward you and like really bask in the bliss, the thing that you're enjoy. Um, think that energy that will feed you from that is what will carry you through to the next day. And, um, you can build on that. I, I heard this from another podcast or radio show. Oh, I think it was the guys that did invented method soap, um, on how I built this. I heard this yesterday. It was just like, it's not try to figure out who you want to be in life, but try to figure out what you want to do next. Um, like breaking it down instead of trying to like be overwhelmed with the overall big picture. Um, just work with what's in front of you and start there. And that's a good place. I mean, you don't need to try to figure it all out because it's not easy. You can't really, you can't figure it all out. It's um, one step in front of the other. And being a good friend, I feel like when I have felt the healthiest in my life, my relationships were healthy. That is, that was a challenge part. I mean, I'm probably going back to like being a parent, but like I was just talking to my friend, Josh Goldman, who helped us with the video. He's got um, a two, oh, she's one and a half and they're kind of coming out. They're emerging. We all would go through that. The child's needs are so great when they're young that your relationships, you're, you're sort of pinned down and you're not able to feed or, you know, contribute to the relationships that are so meaningful in your life with your friends and family. So like rebalancing and coming out of that and finding a balance and finding a good place for yourself is like also feeding the relationships that are healthy in your life and like making time for that will give back to yourself. I think that's that day. You're not just waking up thinking about yourself. You're like waking up and thinking like how, who do I love and who do I want to visit and who do I want to connect with and that's not my 100% today but that's what will balance me for the day and that's what I will you know try aim for and then give myself some of that time back and that love that I feel back love myself and love the people I love it's like it helps for me navigate and make decisions throughout the day because things can pile up laundry food chores bills I think I just got a speeding ticket this morning. No, he let me off. But something about my insurance I have to figure out. Like, you know, one of those chores you have to call and figure out. And that can really weigh on the day. But, like, keeping it on the sidelines and, you know, having that list. And that's – it's crazy. You'll love this anecdote. I've taught her how to make a to-do list. Oh, Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Can I please – this is a really adorable thing to do real quick. Okay. (laughs) Go for it. Yeah, I wish she was here. I would have her. Oh no, say you don't something. wish she was here. <laughs> she well, would not I mean, know how to handle not having all the attention. She doesn't know how to share attention yet. Okay, so as far as like a day, and I want Ada to remember this. <laughs> she, um, I taught Ada how to make a to-do list because for the days that I have fully, now that I've been so uh, <clears throat> fortunate um, 
to uh, have some of my own time, oh. child-free at yes. my home. It's like a sanctuary here. I'm like, all I could do is sit and meditate and pray and feel like I went to work. Because um, she is a ball of energy and wants to know everything about the world. And I want to give it all to her, but I need to like feed myself first. I need mm-hmm. to take care of myself first. My oxygen mask first. <laughs> yes. So, um, so when we have full days together, which can be a lot in a row, sometimes four or five, I mean, I feel so spoiled talking like that's a hard thing, but no, it is. It's hard, hard because they want it all. And I've been like, let's take this day and just today, we're just talking about today and we're going to make a to-do list. I will put one thing on that I need to do, and then you put one thing on that you want to do. You don't have needs yet. You're a child. You just <laughs> Your needs are taken care of. That's my job. You get to be a child. Do not put the weight of the world on you. Have fun. And so one day, she made a to-do list all by herself, and it's adorable. And it says, make healthy drinks. Her healthy drink was chopping up cantaloupe and shaking it in milk. Okay. Okay. Um, play duck, duck, goose. Sing happy birthday, bounce on the couch, <laughs> play rough house, and watch a movie. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> she- I like the bounce on the couch. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's not the first time she's put it on a to-do list. Yeah. She thinks of that one a lot. Yeah, um, we've been a little hot. I will have to say to those listeners... Uh, we get like 100 degree humidity, 100% 100 degree weather out here. So we, <clears throat> it's our winter time in the summer. So we haven't had a lot of outdoors where we finally have a cool front coming in and we will be doing everything we can to be outside all the time because that's truly how I want to raise her. But yeah, we have a lot of indoor stuff when it's hot. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's... Yeah, make those to-do lists and make them fun, right? Bounce on the couch. And more play. More play. I mean, that just makes me think about how much more play I need in my life, you know? It's like we get so serious and rigid as adults and, you know. Right. And she's still adding make healthy drinks. That seems mature. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the rough house is a new thing. Uh, And I've been talking to other parents about it. and, And at least in our house, we're very like, wow, this is so effective. She thought of it on her own. And she's been asking for it more, but she like literally likes to romp around. I mean, rough house to us is like, she wants us to pretend like we're a horse or whatever. And like she rides us and we throw her off our back on like a pile of pillows. And she (laughs) goes back on and does again, just, you know, until she's sweating and out of breath and needs water. Like she wants to do that. I mean, probably because we're stuck inside a little, but yeah, rough housing is helping everyone. I've talked to other parents. They're like, there's been a lot of irritability after the transition and I'm like, try rough housing. Everyone like, this is the new, it's my new, <laughs> my new aha is like rough housing is kind of this weird new bonding love. I don't know if it's a four year old thing, but like she wants to romp around with her parents, like mm-hmm. a baby bear and a mama, like she wants to play in rough house until she's, you know, out of breath and needs water. It's like yeah. physical love and physical play yeah nice and what do you feel like you're learning from that if anything just making time for this I mean this is why I think having a kid was saved my life or made my life enriched my life blessed my life is like I can't come up with this stuff but she's 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 leading me and so there's that beautiful and a lot of ways I you know I have all these Waldorf craft books because we're all so excited. I'm, I'm a crafter. She's interested in crafting. 
Um, and I try to plan a project and really if I just follow her lead, the projects happen. Like mm. she finds a feather or she finds a shell and we can go from there. And like, instead of me trying to figure it out for her, it's, uh, it's exciting. Is there a specific Waldorf approach to what you're talking about? Some kind of exercises or? Well, we have these beautiful, like living in the season books as a creative mom. I really love the Waldorf curriculum with making and creating because as all those things that kids want, dolls and toys and make-believe, everything. There are books that I have. The one is The Children's Year by Stephanie Cooper. Um, And the other one is Festivals, Family, and Food by Diane Carey and Judy Large. And these take you throughout seasonal years um, and you know, give you great ideas for cooking and making and celebrating and, and there's songs, I songs see. and recipes and crafts. And they're all using natural materials. So pine cones and walnut shells and paper and wool. And it's just really sweet and gentle and magical. And that's what, you know, children mm. do so well is they notice the magic and celebrate the magic yeah, instead of going to buy a pack of Valentines, it's like really making them. And and what's that other book that looks really interesting to me? Play the Forest School Way. So uh-huh. woodland games and crafts and skills for adventure kids. And yeah, I mean, I just got into this. She's just kind of feels like old enough. And the first thing was a spirit stick and like taking a stick and taking string and walking through the forest. And every time you see something you like, instead of putting it in a bag, you wrap it onto the stick with the string and then you come back with this stick that's just like full of treasures that's bound with the string keeping them Mm. onto the stick. And it's a journey, like the stick, you can walk through it and say what they, I mean, it's amazing. They'll tell you what they found first and the details and that just listening to them unfold that, it's like you're seeing life in a new way. You're seeing the details in a new way and the connections there's there's they're sharing their connections so honestly and raw and pure that every yeah it gives you meaning yeah this is making me sad that i've never had kids no no and <laughs> it's like oh i'm missing out on every all parent this. needs so much help so it's a tribe and please help no yeah. um no it's it's really like in some ways i will say to that point like to those listening or that aren't ever going to have kids. No, they don't want to have kids. Also, I envy that strong decision because I'm so wayward. I'm like, do should we have another one? I don't know. I don't know. But I will say I was a babysitter, a nanny for years. That's, that was my side job as I was in art school. And I just didn't want to work at like restaurants and stuff. I loved being in the homes of people and sharing. I loved children. I always, lo- I had a thing for children. I always have. My mom kind of pointed that out to me young, but I kind of had sometimes a little more fun being the babysitter than the mom. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so yeah. Right. Hey, enjoy the where, what you got um, when you got it. Um, because no, it's true. Like the babysitter is comes refreshed and full, and it's more of like that fun relationship. And there's a lot more discipline as a parent. There's so much more. Yeah. yeah I feel like I have to wear a different hat that. It's not the more fun hat to wear, but it's the harder hat. It's the strict um, rules to structure their time and know that I've 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 got it taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> so 
it's it's fun when they do have the relationships that aren't their parents because you see them just lifted up by that. Parents mm-hmm. are heavy. <laughs> We're heavy people. Yeah. We got we got rules and, and structure here. So, no, well, yeah. Do you have any parting words for mm-hmm. any artists that, around the world that might be listening to this? Hmm. I guess it it made me think when I was saying my mom, my parents weren't artists and I'm not getting into another conversation. I'm just saying like being an artist is not like hereditary. It's not something that makes sense even. It's like, am I an artist? What, why am I different? Or I don't feel like my parents really get it, which is okay. And like, that's what's kind of cool about it is I feel like it's diversified myself and my, as an artist, I, I have parents that, that were not creative in a way that was making art, but the foundations of just, you know, taking care of my basic needs provided me the opportunity to become myself. So Mm Um, they didn't fail by not being artists and I didn't like lack anything by them not being artists. In some ways it was in spite of their non-creative like outlook that I was like, I got to jump out of this. I got to get out. This is, I have a whole different outlook. I want to express that. I want to share that. I want, I'm crazy about becoming my own self because I feel so unique and different than you guys or so there was like a beautiful thing of coming from a non-creative family and now to sh- be myself and to share myself with them is fun. They just think how exciting and different I am. But um, but yeah, going to art school isn't necessarily a thing. It's like cr- having a community and creating your own lifelong learning experience of it and practicing your practice and finding your practice. It's like you don't have to do all these things to be an artist, but for me personally, being an artist, finding myself was college. I just, in that environment, was able to give myself permission at art school to call myself an artist. I was just thinking today, being an artist is a interest. It's a really big. Um, what is that word? Like a, a big. I don't know. It's a big responsibility in a way um, yeah. because it never ends. You're not done. <laughs> You're not like finished being an artist. Yeah, there's no resting on your laurels and kind of just, right. Uh, and if you do, coasting. the world's like, oh, we've forgotten about you. <laughs> no, <laughs> or um, it's it's a weird connection with the world being an artist because you are having a conversation at, when you express something. You're putting an idea out there and you're communicating something, and that is a conversation and conversations keep going then you grow and change and you share that growth and change and you know I've stepped back from social media for quite a few months and felt how very nice that can be to simplify and just focus on my life and pretend the internet ever never existed but when I wanted to come to sharing the idea like you're back to communicating it again and I feel like that's what I'm like. It's like, it's a real interesting dance um, Hmm. to be um, always checking in with the world and yourself. Yeah. Um, Well, thanks for everything that you're creating and sharing and encourage people to check out the workshop. Thanks for having me, Scott. Thanks for making this podcast a reality. And it's great to see your dream and your idea come to fruition and, have these legs 
and Thanks. putting podcasts out there for the greater community. And I find that Austin is one of the most special places to be an artist because yeah. we seem to over overwhelmingly be encouraging and accepting and non-competitive in the world of creativity and just really enjoying ourselves and being people that like to have a good time. And so even though, cause it's a struggle being an artist in a way, so yeah. why make it harder? Just let's just all uplift, lift each other up and have fun and not try to be bigger, better, faster. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm here. That's why we're here. So thanks for being, thanks for having me. Okay. Well, thanks for your time today. Yes. Thanks for listening. One more thing before you go. If this episode or any other I've produced have helped you or added value to your life, please support the podcast so it can continue and grow. Just go to austinarttalk.com forward slash support. There you can find a link to my Patreon page and there is also a PayPal option and an Amazon affiliate link. I couldn't keep doing this without your help. All the best to you and take care.